Welcome to Girls Room, where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s, HBO's Girls. I'm Julia Gray. I have my incredible co-host with me, Drew Haskins. Hi, everyone. Today, we're chatting about episode four of season five. And with us, we have vulture culture writer, Rebecca Alter. Hey, thanks for having me in the girls' room. We are so excited to have you. I... You teased it up. You teased it a bit, but I want to hear all about your like rewatch journey. Did I, did I come with you with the at the right time? Like, how are you? Where's girls in your life right now? So I love girls, but I'm straight up not a rewatcher. I am not a rewatch personality, and so I haven't revisited the show except for like a couple of moments and episodes or whatever. Like since I watched these episodes the first time like literally 10 years ago but they've just sort of lived in my head so it was so nice to um watch one even like from a season that like isn't necessarily one I like think about a lot um it's so pound for pound like funnier and better written than like 90 percent of stuff I was like wow even just like a random random app yeah so what is the basis of your like philosophical opposition to rewatching things <laughs> it's not it's not an opposition it's just I never I'm like never I don't know like my some of my if things are sort of like in a middle zone of things I like they're not my favorite show in the world like I will rewatch them no problem I feel like mm. if they're on cartoons I find very easy to rewatch mm-hmm. um but like my when I think about like 30 Rock or Girls, like these foundational shows, I, for whatever reason, I haven't. I don't know if I'm just like saving them for, for a rainy day, but occasionally for work, I've had to rewatch. Like last year, I had to rewatch like happy endings to prepare for something. And I was like, why didn't I do this years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... You know, I respect that. I cannot relate to that as someone who recently finished a 30 Rock rewatch and is in the middle of a Sex and the City rewatch right now. So, but there there are so few shows I feel like I can rewatch, but Sex and the City and 30 Rock are two of the big ones. Mm -hmm. Girls too. What were you going to say, Rebecca? Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like so many people I know have shocked me in the past few months by saying, that they're watching Sex in the City for the first time uh, wow. or girls for the first time. And it's really interesting to see like who among us um, like haven't experienced these things yet. And it's so funny to hear people reacting in real time to old tea, but it's great. Um, also people are doing a lot of rewatches. I know when girls had its anniversary that seemed to like spawn the yeah. great national Lena Dunham apology from all of us and the great national rewatch. Yeah, but now um, I think this is the first episode we've recorded since the news broke that Lena would be directing the Polly Pocket movie. And oh, yeah. I was seeing a like tidal wave of anti-Lena sentiment again. Really? Okay, yep. so I've seen I've seen some like poking fun but I haven't seen the anti-Lena going around yeah under a rock is my algorithm just feeding me pro Lena content I think my algorithm was just feeding me a bunch of very kind of 
first first thought tweets being like lena dunham is a misogynist and all these had like thirty thousand likes or whatever and i'm like have you watched the show <laughs> like i don't think lena dunham's a misogynist but it's such i think it's like so red flag when people have those like old first thought opinions about lena dunham like mm. just riding whatever like the narrative was you know at the height of girls um it's I'm like okay you're not a serious person you're not like looking one step deeper into this person you're you probably also like hate Anne Hathaway like you're probably one of those Mm -hmm. um but I'm so excited she's doing the Polly Pocket movie literally when I walked out of Barbie with my group of friends I was like my issues are not with the directing and the production design and the performances that's all great I just sort of wish Lena Dunham wrote it so this news was excellent you spoke it into existence my question is how is she going to like what could you do after the barbie movie about a doll that's different than well i mean well that's that's your job but i'm like how can you do a different movie i feel like she's just set up to do the same movie oh no i was just gonna say it's like a really it's putting her in a really tough situation to be the follow-up to like this doll movie that's become like the biggest yeah sensation in years yeah i i think i could see this movie being some sort of hybrid between lizzie mcguire and life size almost where maybe this adult woman is haunted by the specter of polly pocket and that is like the guy <laughs> it's like her inner child or this is so bad this is why I i'm not a writer that. but no, like, that's I the only that angle <laughs> i love that you see lizzie mcguire's little cartoon self as a haunting specter (laughs) (laughs) I mean it kind of is like I also just will always intertwine Lizzie McGuire and Polly Pocket because those are two well a show and a toy I would play with whenever I went to my cousin's house growing up so maybe that's the sense memory but that sense memory that childlike wonder that I'm tapping into right now should be how you make a movie about toys potentially that's true you should hit up Lena see if she has any thoughts I feel like Lena you know as famously like an Oberlin girl has like probably a whole theory about sense memory like she's probably going to be infusing this with just like the most everything um did either of you guys ever grow up playing um games on everythinggirl.com yes no because the Polly pocket <laughs> the Polly pocket like section of that was really yeah. iconic i only ever had one Polly pocket um but the flash games meant a lot to me. were you a bar were you a Polly pocket girl or barbie girl or bratz girl where did you fall on the spectrum uh i feel like bratz girl came at Bratz did you say my scene yeah (laughs) I was that I was that because I was like Bratz came around when I was like age when I was cusp aging out of dolls but my scene was the precursor and that was very much like I was on board for that there was also a short-lived one called diva stars oh I love diva stars wow and that was my favorite (laughs) oh I was such a dolls girl I mm -mm, can't get enough still I honestly the propaganda is doing what it's supposed to because I heard about the Polly Pocket movie and I thought, what is she up to? And I looked on the Polly Pocket website. Lots of cool stuff. Lots of cool stuff. They're doing they're doing merry-go-rounds. They're doing uh, car wash. 
<laughs> we have the technology. Finally. I I know SNL got to this idea first, but I would love to see an American Girl doll movie in all actuality. I think like, they're going to. I think that's on the list. They should. Like, I was, I mean, you know, growing up in a rather traditional household, I wasn't allowed to play with dolls, which is kind of the great failure of my childhood in a lot of ways, except for American Girl, because they had historical value that transcended the gender divide, essentially. So <laughs> I... I need to see my childhood played out on screen. Wow. That trans, honestly, that is really true. I didn't even think about them as little girls. I thought about them as uh, historical figures. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We also have to not do erasure on the few American Girl movies that were made uh, in the 2000s that were like straight to video, including Felicity starring Shailene Woodley. Yes. Oh my God, Kit Kitteridge, Kitteridge, Kitteridge. Mm-hmm. Who was that? Who's that little that girl? That was Abigail Breslin. Yes. Yes. Wait, which one was Dame Emma Robertson? Oh, she was in Nancy Drew. That's not an American Girl at all. Okay, never mind. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of many different things. Um, yeah. I mean, Kit Kitteridge was such a pioneer for women in journalism. I feel like, even though I don't believe she was invented until 1995, like. <laughs> just we have to you know pay tribute to her story and doing what the other girls weren't oh yeah oh yeah um should we get into today's episode okay before we do that yes i think we should determine which america which girls are which american girl dolls or just like (laughs) okay i do i actually have two very first thought ones immediately to me hannah is kit because they're both writers mm-hmm. and marnie is a samantha because she is annoying as hell Marnie's clear as day marnie samantha. samantha oh it's yes clear as day okay jessa Grass is green marnie samantha <laughs> jessa they came out with like sort of a, like a san francisco set in the 70s hippie doll but i feel like that's okay. not part of the like original girls mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why Jess is giving Felicity a little. She can give Jess a Felicity, and then I think, I think, um, Shosh. They definitely came out with a Jewish one at some point, but I also think like she's not in the core. She was not a. She wasn't an OG girly. I think if Shosh were to be an OG girly, she'd probably be Molly. I think she's Molly. Yeah, Yeah. I I loved her. No, that that. It all seems pretty one-to-one to me. I could also see Jessa being Josefina, too. Because oh of her. <laughs> was that girl? Jessa would appropriate Josefina, absolutely. <laughs> oh and they God. like the family drama, the like love of ponchos and like flowing fabrics. Like this, this all seems very like there is a spiritual legacy between those two girls. Wow. That, you know, honestly, I was Josephine came to my mind but I didn't want to say it because I was like is this is this a cancelable opinion comparing <laughs> Jessa to the to the fake character of Josefina I mean considering Jessa has been uh 
you know, putting her hair up in buns with literal chopsticks and wearing yeah. kimonos. Like, I don't think Jessa, just as a global citizen without a lot of thought as to where those, uh, those styles and customs are truly coming from, you know? I really love this Jessa as Josephina. That is genius. And I, I think with that, we can get into the show. Oh, absolutely. Oh, wait, we, we should ask the core question, though. Yes, yes. Rebecca, which girl are you? Um, I think that, like, despite, like, I every, every ounce of me, like, wishes I were not a Hannah. But I just think, like, I front like one. I'm definitely a Hannah Rising. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that is, te- well, really, I think I'm, like, a, I think I'm Ray. Or, like, I'm Ray and Shosha's baby. That is or Hannah. We need a spinoff starring Ray and Shosha's baby. Yeah, because it's I I do think it's like a vacillation between um the childlike naivete of Shosha and the one eighty opposite like world weary Oscar the Grouch of Ray. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's a unique answer. I I am similar in my I really don't want to be Hannah, but I feel i feel hannah um and yeah we, you know none of us do yeah i'm like a, a hannah show sh- at the end of the day with with uh you know marnie like ocd at times <laughs> i'm marnie like aspirations yeah exactly <laughs> exactly i'm like ocd but not the neat kind but also that's, not well, the that's hannah. hannah that's literally i know i was gonna say but also not the hannah kind the secret right. third- fascinating drew who are you i'm a marnie um in the very traditional oc sense um though i have been feeling a little bit more hannah-y recently in ways that i'm still trying to parse out within myself but like there were some hannah moments on tonight's episode that i felt very um like kindred to in a way that I don't usually feel with Hannah. I liked this episode. It was kind of um, one of those table study episodes, as we like to say. A lot of this season is very, like, I don't want to say fluff, but, like, in between episodes, you know? I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I thought the... I like this episode. I'll just get that out of the way. <laughs> I similarly thought that the table setting nature of it definitely made made this a pretty mid-tier girls episode and I did not find it especially funny compared to most episodes of this show this is so interesting because watching one out of nowhere like having not been you know having not immersed myself in in it in a while I'm like I was cracking up there were funny moments but I do think if when you're in it when you're in the rewatch your bar is high for those joke for joke yeah. scenes. I mean, in the moment when I was watching the first time around, like I was taking it so for granted. Like I had no idea that the media landscape would be this bad, yeah. like eight years later or whatever. Truly. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they're dramatic scenes this episode, though. I thought were incredibly well done, basically across the board. And I mean, yeah, maybe we should just, oh, let's get into the hand of it all, yeah. shall we? Um, yeah, la- just a refresher for those who didn't watch last episode. We focused on 
Shosh leaving for Japan, um, or no, leaving Japan. She's in Japan and she's leaving Japan now. And she's sad. Hannah finds nudes on Fran's phone and Jessa and Adam are continuing their like, will they, won't they annoying situation. And that that is where we find our girls this week. Yeah, we open with another scene of Hannah and Fran arguing in Hannah's apartment. Um, he, okay, this drove me crazy because if Fran tried to pull this shit with me, I, I would I would have an altercation, I think. Like, he's essentially grading Hannah's papers for her. Right. According but, to his own rubric, which is the true rubric. Yeah, so. I mean, I think on the... I, I, I'm a little, I'm in between Fran and Hannah here because Fran is trying to grade Hannah's students' papers and like, you know, moving commas around and correcting spelling errors. And Hannah says, I don't care about grammatical errors. That's for another assignment. I just want them to be creative in this assignment. And yeah, I don't know, whose side are you on, Rebecca? <laughs> um, I am on Hannah's side because later on, doesn't the student doesn't not male but Miley it's it's Gaelic um doesn't she say like doesn't she refer to it as a poem was it a poem she calls it something really funny and I I something about antecedents right yeah right, she it says was something that made me think that like grammar would not be necessarily the focus of this assignment and made me side with Hannah what was it yeah, it was supposed to be a creative poem that focused on antecedents. Great. Which does seem so a creative tricky. Poem. Yeah. That's true. And you can't really be picky about commas in a poem. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, much like Fran, and I think all three of us in this Zoom have former experience with uh, copy editing. Like, that would drive me crazy trying to grade something that doesn't necessarily have a strict formal structure. Um, but also, like, you are overstepping a boundary here. Yeah. But Hannah's also annoying for trying to be dead poet society with these kids. <laughs> also, sorry, there's a moment I'm skipping ahead, but like when we see the paper, when it's like, when the girl has it, just <laughs> across the top, Hannah's grading just says, OMG, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make up for the fact that it looks like it was ripped apart by a dog because they're like fighting over the piece of paper. That is so funny. Yeah, she basically they're fighting over this piece of paper uh, leads to it getting ripped. And so <laughs> poor Miley's poem is all, you know, dragged through the mud and Hannah walks Miley over to Fran's class and makes him come out of the classroom and explain why the poem is um looks the way it does and you know I'm with Fran on that because that is wildly inappropriate for the school yeah Yeah. it is a miracle Hannah still has her job like eight episodes at the school later it's crazy well it's a real indictment of the education system yeah, I don't know. It seems like a very um, progressive in a lot of ways and backwards in a lot of others kind of school. Like we, I'm sure there are a lot of on the Upper East Side that I just don't yeah. know. <laughs> I also love um, Fran saying to the little girl, I really liked your poem. And then Hannah goes, no, we didn't. 
oh and then hannah another great line she says he says something like i'm just trying to teach them proper english and she says proper english is a joke in 10 years we're all going to be robots who speak chinese (laughs) (laughs) which again you know she's got some points she's got some points. i just the way her brain works and the way her brain especially synthesizes current events we've seen this so many times over the show but like i love that she just like picks the most alarmist things about the future and boils them down into these really like mundane little observations like it's such a like a specifically Hannah Horvathian way to see the world and I think one that's really like changed culture I really do think that her like yeah yeah the alarmist nature is definitely reflective of the millennial mindset or something it's like being an alarmist but like not clicking through to the articles just looking at the headlines and piecing it together so that like at thanksgiving you're telling your parents like it would be selfish of you to bring a child into the world like based on headlines you read yeah it's it's like you're weaponizing all these really horrible world events to avoid responsibility which i guess that is very millennial and 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 the way you can approach the world but it is genius it's also just yeah kind of internet brain you know it's not even specific to millennials which jessa kind of the internet brain jessa points out later in a really sad scene that we will get to um Mm -hmm. but hannah and marnie are hiding out in jessa's apartment from their boyfriends or husband in marnie's case Mm -hmm. um and Marnie basically tells Hannah that, like, oh, wait, Marnie's looking at, we'll get to Marnie later, but she does <laughs> like a, an appearance in this scene where she's looking through, like, some Tumblr page with pictures of old couples. Is that correct? Is that what she's doing here? Yeah. Who does she share and who was the other one? I feel like there's one one with share and then one with, like, Elvis I don't know yeah <laughs> yeah she she named off one where I was like half paying attention and didn't catch it but yeah. it, I was just like marveling at like it's so Marnie to be on like old couples Hollywood history is sexy.tumblr.com yeah. like <laughs> aesthetic black and white pictures of like Paul Newman I can't think of anything more Marnie yeah I she I also can't think of anything more Marnie than her telling her like that she needs to work it out because Fran's a really good guy oh yeah and then she says that Cher never worked it out with her partners and that's why she's still alone (laughs) yeah crazy She, she is so that like girl though you know that kind of you need to make it work. like she's gonna be in a bad relationship regardless yeah yeah and like last episode you know, when she Skypes in from Ecuador, like she was talking about how non-monogamy or monogamy is a construct and like non-monogamy can be a way to like work on your relationship. And it's like, if you ever try doing that in your own relationship, uh-huh. you'd fail, you'd flunk. Yeah. And then Jessa uh, says that Adam is disgusting and bow-legged, just kind of like pops up <laughs> studies to say that to, I don't know make sure that hannah's not on her case that she secretly loves him 
also what is she studying for is she studying to be a psychiatrist i don't like yeah i'm supposed to intuit that yeah some oh. sort of like social work degree right yeah i assume that this is like established and because i was just jumping in that i had like forgotten about it but yeah i like when they did the exchange of like fran is like a sociopath in a normal person's body and Adam's a normal person in a sociopath's body mm -hmm. <laughs> which I don't agree with but I think is fun yeah oh my I god I do kind of think Fran is a sociopath I but I don't I do think, kind of think that. but I don't think Adam's not I don't think he's a sociopath but I don't think he's not crazy right yeah he's intrinsically disordered in some way just not <laughs> that particular sounds like Justin needs to study a little harder to uh make that diagnosis but I um the Hannah Jessa scene it kind of felt like it was a little out of nowhere but it was my favorite scene of the episode and the hardest I laughed all episode was them going to a, a specifically a rice pudding eatery oh I mean <laughs> also the music they were playing in there was so perfect I don't, I, it sounded like new Avril Lavigne or something. It was That's new Avril Lavigne. I actually looked this up. Oh my God. Rice to Riches is such a specific destination to choose because it's like so out of their way. It's like on Mulberry randomly. It's like, it's very, it's like a rom-com. Like, I feel like it's in Hitch. I feel like it's in a couple other movies. Like, that is a location that I do think is a mob front that like pops up every few years in culture and you can't believe it's still around. So it was just like so perfectly out of left field. Oh my Sorry God. about that. <laughs> I'm like actually shocked to hear that this is a real place and not something fictitious they constructed for the show. Um, also the Amex thing is funny because I think for a while they were maybe cash only because they were literally maybe like a laundering thing like there's no you could look up rice to riches and it's a whole thing it's like a very specific weird choice for the show to make yeah it's like it's very unserious right they found the most unserious location yes uh to put that scene oh, oh my, my god, god. A liter and calling it rice to riches that really kind of spells out what they're doing uh -huh. there too. what the deal is that's like coffee to crime <laughs> i really hope like i'm not we're not gonna get like a hit put on us for saying no. this in media but it was it there there was something <laughs> see this is me being hannah i'm like oh yeah i heard it was absolutely blah 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 and i'm like, yeah, I don't know what like I'm so one tweet um, yeah racketeering I, ring okay racketeering I, ring racketeer okay all right this this definitely deserves some attention and a rebecca alter exclusive yeah maybe this is how we spin off our non-fiction investigative podcast into rice pudding racketeering That's it's great. unfortunately like the story's been it seems like once every 10 years because this has truly been around for who knows um there's an article that's like this mysterious rice pudding place is doing shady things and then we all forget and then 10 years later there's another one so we're overdue soon we are i'm looking right now insider food like a few months ago did a we tried the most popular rice pudding flavors and this video of them scooping of them scooping the rice pudding is nauseating i'll, I'll send it to everyone after <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a texture i don't fuck with 
Yeah. No, no I, I actually had to rewind this scene the first time because I missed for whatever reason that they were in a rice pudding store. <laughs> and when I saw the bowls, I was like, what? And I had to go back and look because it truly, I thought they were eating like porridge or something, which isn't is that far off from rice pudding. But I also love, she orders the um, fluent in French toast. That's the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> And oh. you know that's real. Yeah, of course. Oh my, honestly, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, I love rice pudding. Oh, really? I'm not into it. I mean, the flavor sounds good to me, but I'm, I don't know. Um, but I also love this as a this the scene of an incident between them where Jess is just telling her she like you have no interesting ideas and you just browse the internet now. Maybe that's why you stopped writing. Uh, and then when Jessa ends up having to pay because they don't take Amex oh it just you know she's really being set up to be a huge bitch to Hannah and that's exactly what she does and she's really on edge because she's like pre-guilty about Adam and just letting it out she's pre-guilty yeah I liked the um the line that Hannah says about you know, Jess is usually really mean to her, but this time she feels like mean, mean instead of normal mean. And that, as someone who is like, you know, has a lot of like teasing dynamics and friendships and stuff, like that really felt so true to life and incisive in some pretty simple language without getting too like floored about it. Um, yeah, it felt like the sort of thing that like, I've definitely had moments where I've wanted to say that to a friend who maybe defaults to being snippy or whatever and I'm like wow to just just like be able to phrase it yes so plainly and speak it out loud um is more evolved than I yeah I thought like going from that to just being like maybe we shouldn't be friends anymore it was a little zero to 60 but that is very like true to Jessa's character like she can't really exist in these like morally ambiguous situations she has to blow it up and the like we've seen it with like thomas john like seasons and seasons ago like it's it's just the way she ends relationships yeah yeah she's a runner she really is um i also when uh hannah walks out and she says i mean that was really like really good deliver. I mean, great acting on both parts in this scene. But she says, mm-hmm. "You are the biggest bitch I've ever met. Met in my whole life. You are a total cunt." That like, oof. I like that one shot of like Hannah walking out, lingering in the window for two seconds, and walking back in to say that. Yeah. Uh huh. She knew she was gonna say it. I oh. did like her saying. <laughs> I'm going to take my fluent and French toast on the train. If I'm going to be around someone I hate, it might as well be my boyfriend. <laughs> like, uh, a and, beautiful line of dialogue. Also, the like I looked up the guy who wrote this episode, and um, he's like a New Yorker cartoonist. Oh, really? So Which is to me a really different sense of humor. But I mean, looks like he's got uh, he's got layers. Good for him. Yeah, he's like a 60-year-old New Yorker cartoonist and was able to capture something that felt very true about the millennial online Mm -hmm. experience. Oh, I love that. 
Yeah, they, I mean, the last we see of Hannah is her going back to the, her apartment with her boyfriend that she hates and uh, just grading papers with Fran back to back from each other. Which, yeah. It's dark. The dark. Um, also dark, the Marnie storyline here. Oh. Like physically dark because Desi like blocked out the entire window. Yeah. Oh my God. Oof. I I also love her just like walking back to her apartment after not being there for a while. Just looking so, so changed. She has this big uh, guitar backpack. She looks very... Uh, in the words of Caroline Polachek, back in the city, I'm just another girl in a sweater. <laughs> like, she's so, I don't know. She's, her essence is very funny post-marriage to Desi. Um, but all of her neighbors are mad at her and she doesn't know why until she <laughs> opens the apartment door and Desi is completely destroying their apartment, yeah. trying to put a wall in between. I squealed when she ran into the neighbor on the stairs because neighbor was played by heather from crazy ex-girlfriend for all my crazy yeah yeah i I was like oh my gosh a little cameo um and i love that marnie is essentially the object of disdain for the entire city of new york (laughs) like she has no allies except for like maybe desi and even this this felt like a transgression on his part and then the fact that like by the end of the episode she has to be like the one comforting him and like telling him it's okay that he's like destroying the apartment in a huge way is such a sad dynamic but not surprising yeah Yeah. oh god he's doing his like version of home improvement so he can quote unquote make chilaquiles while Marnie breaks his <laughs> podcasts. Oh my god. Yeah, he says the wall pretty much pays for itself because Marnie, according to Desi, according to his math, spends three grand a year working at coffee shops. <laughs> oh my god. It's it's funny the way he's like twisting Marnie's words, like we're gonna have privacy. That's what you meant when you said you wanted more space, right? Nope. <laughs> no yeah she's literally talking about she doesn't want to be in that shithole apartment like that apartment and we have said this many 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 times on this podcast that apartment is the most dismal space on this show and to make it even smaller it's, it's... and oh like so... when they had the drills hanging on the wall somehow in the like the bathroom alcove like the shower I I was like someone's gonna get electrocuted in here it's 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 such an unpeaceful space it's buzzing with a very stressful energy yes and literally buzzing with power right with power tools and that is just so it's so that boy to take up that ambitious of a construction project that they do not know how to do and like give up partway through and everything's worse yeah. yeah he makes a custom shelf for his ray bradbury digest collection like the tiny tiny shelf yeah this so not to tell on myself too much i did buy a tiny shelf earlier this week 
Oh my for God. a similar corner in my apartment. Um, Inspired. And I think I'm going to return it now because I just looking at this, I was like, oh, this is stupid. Everyone's going to hate this. And oh, <laughs> I think I'm going to put no. it away. What were no. you going to put on the tiny uh, shelf? I don't know, like a candle or something. Like, it's not good. Like, I, I've been <laughs> talked out of it. Um, and the sick thing is, like, this is the cosmic fate of it all. I have no way of getting the shelf up because the brackets for it are sold separately. So I guess that's just like God's what? way of telling me, no. like, you cannot put the shelf up. And then this episode was God saying again, like, really do not put the shelf up. God, I guess But so. I do, I have that, like, I also have that mentality, that hubris of being like, okay, a shelf is literally like a horizontal square coming off of a vertical square. And a wall is just a big vertical square. Like these should all be the easiest things in the world to do. And like, what is stud finding? And what are um, those plastic braces that the drill goes into? Like yeah. I recently, a friend and I um, had to be in Fort Green Park at like seven and we were in her apartment and it was 6.30. And we were like, oh, we have time to quickly build this shelf and no. get there in time and then literally like one week later all of these planks of wood were like still on her bed like yeah it's it's quickly build a shelf mm -mm. and i just have to say too the biggest lie ever told is that levelers work those things that help you get the shelf allegedly straight on the wall no, do no. not work you can't do it you have to measure from the ground up if you're gonna have a shelf like from it's the ground up yeah from floor to shelf and yes. leveler I don't know why they exist I don't know like this like I guess it's that like weird green liquid in all of them like that manufacturer is like we gotta just offload this somehow and I'm sure it's radioactive <laughs> weird green liquid but it's always that weird green liquid like I just it drives me nuts I have two of them somehow and I'm, I wish I had zero <laughs> wish I had zero oh my god um back to Marnie she like oh sorry I got sunscreen in my eye um <laughs> okay when I stop weeping um Marnie like thinks she's the problem now um she's like I'm back at the uh Jess's apartment with Hannah she's like I'm building the wall like just completely blames herself and then you know comes home to Desi again after escaping and Desi's like moaning and smashing the wall and he's like I'm stupid I'm stupid and you know what M Marnie you know takes the role of mommy and calls him a brilliant creative genius and uh you know just kind of continues to shoot herself in the foot yeah this codependency is really hard to watch and it's been hard to watch for three seasons now but we're just watching him like pilled out and like stumbling around through this wall is a uh, hard to watch yeah. i did laugh at him like mid foreplay like still like beating himself up being like I can't yeah. even take this tank top off <laughs> like you baby like, that made me laugh oh god Evan Moss background is so good on this show like it's he really is 
to find new layers to a very hateable character every week is not easy to do. I'm sorry, I'm putting my camera off because I'm no. no, it's okay. Oh, oh, sunscreen in the eye. Really? They don't talk about it. They don't no, tell they don't tell you that either. Like, I recently <laughs> used that super goop, um, the unseen one for the first yeah. time. Um, before a run, which was, you know, that uh, getting sunscreen on your eye in a run is always a bad thing. But like this, it felt like I had just dumped acid in there. And I'm like, oh. I, this oh. is great sunscreen. I'm never using this ever again, though, because like the only time I always put on sunscreen, but like I run every day. So like I can't, I cannot self induce acid into my eye on a regular basis. That seems unsafe. No, maybe you gotta leave it as like a body sunscreen. I do like it though. Yeah, it's great. It, like, it's really, really great. I'm forty dollars for good sunscreen. I'm fine with. I think. At the end of the I, day, you know. <laughs> I think good sunscreen is worth it. But being currently halfway through my first ever super goop purchase, I don't like. I think it's like too um clean for me in the sense that I miss the like chemical pina colada summery smell of like a much cheaper sunscreen and I think I'm actually gonna have to go back to that just because every day when I open my I have this super group that's in like a short cylinder and every day I open it I'm like disappointed that it doesn't smell um like summer yeah that's my go-to sunscreen is that Paul's Choice stuff which is like aggressively unscented works like a charm yeah I love it it's also like 35 dollars though it's not the cheapest stuff in the world um I'm willing to yeah I'm fine with that too because I I also like the coconutty smell of sunscreen but I can only use it on my body because it just makes me break out otherwise but like for athletic they have not made a good athletic or pool forward sunscreen yet in the, the kind of like higher end skincare line I just I don't think it exists well have you have you checked out um vacation brand have you seen that whole aesthetic no I haven't that is hot right now okay vacation is like the sunscreen and it's this aesthetic where it all looks like these old advertisements it's supposed 80s. to feel like sort of like yeah like South Beach Miami 40 years ago um, and I think they have like pool and water and beach in mind. Got it. But are you paying for the bottle at that point? Like, is it just, it's a fancy looking bottle? I've never seen the actual bottle. I've just seen the uh, advertisements. Yeah, so. I think they came out with one that like looks like whipped cream or something. I don't know what they're up to. As I'm describing it, I'm like, maybe we shouldn't be endorsing. <laughs> maybe it's like a douchey sunscreen. I think at the end of the day, it might be, but that's okay. I'm willing, to, like, I don't, when it comes to skincare, I'm okay paying for like douchey products. Like I kind of find Super Goop a little like the cult of Super Goop, at least very tough to buy into but like it's undeniable that it works so you can't really knock something for working if you don't really like the you know even if you don't really like the branding around it because skincare especially is just like if it's good you kind of just gotta you gotta it. go with it yeah. yeah um back to back to our girls oh yeah <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> uh 
amazing segue. Marnie, definitely a sunscreen wearer. Hannah is not ever wearing sunscreen. No. That's my assumption. Um, But actually, no, I think that might be all we had for Marnie, yeah? Yeah. I think the interesting part of the episode for me was the Justice storyline, which we touched on earlier with the final confrontation. But we kick it off finding that Jessa has started going to these all women meetings um, just to avoid running into Adam. Yeah. But Adam stumbles in and then locks himself in. <laughs> oh, God. I love Jessa saying she needs sisterhood. I don't <laughs> like, do you? Um, I, I think we're supposed to intuit that. Jess is going to these meetings to avoid Adam um, and they're like undeniable draw to each other um, and later she goes to Adam's apartment after like that horrible date with Hannah and she's like crying what they're doing is wrong blah 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 and then finally 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 they have sex like you know I've had enough episodes of them at the carnival yeah <laughs> Let's move this along. No, and I like that the sex was bad, too. Yeah. Like, it would have felt, I think, a little dishonest almost to have it be, like, this, like, life-changing, like, oh, like, we're meant to be kind of sex. Like, having it be awkward, but still, like, the fulfillment of this, like, will they, won't they. Like, it it, it was honest in a way that the show usually is. Yeah. Um, I love the implication when Adam's like, is this what bad sex is like? The implication that he simply does not have bad sex. Exactly. Like I've never had bad sex in my Which life. Which is crazy because we've seen him have bad sex no fewer than three times on this show <laughs> alone. Like shout out to Natalia for putting up with what she had to put up with. Um, it's definitely something he would say though, or like even like something a guy would say like, oh, I'm so not used to this. Yeah, yeah. that's his line. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And then speaking of bad sex, we then well the the last little part of this episode was Ray and Elijah, who I love as like a little duo. Um I kind of forgot that Helvetica, the coffee shop, is such a constant player in, I, in this storyline. I, <laughs> I love when like like there's such a good little odd couple sitcom pairing and I love when Ray's off in his own little world of like these plots that are just so um irrelevant yeah I I love it I feel like they I need more scenes with the two of them together yeah we do I I know we get a lot more Elijah going forward from here and I liked that he was able to emotionally anchor his own storyline for once like he he's such good comic relief and once again Andrew Rannells is I think the funniest comedian on this show um Mm -hmm. but letting him you know talk about well I mean going from like Dill texting Amanda with Amanda Knox yesterday (laughs) and saying about Patty Patricia Clark said that her friends call her Patty (laughs) like perfect little deliveries yeah um yeah he hasn't had like roles as as good as this he uh, Andrew Rannell's like 
I forgot is so good comedically and like clearly gets it because I think I don't know I don't know what he's doing normally he's in a show again right now with Josh Gad I guess Mm -hmm. not on right now or is it isn't it like this fall I don't know Um, I'm interested yeah I don't I don't know what it oh what's Gutenberg yeah what's Um, it about Josh Gad is kind of a no fly zone for me but what is this show about it's um like a musical and it's about like like I think it's I think it's biographical about like Gutenberg and the printing press but it's like a parody of that type of show or something but it's on Broadway Gutenberg the musical um yeah whoa okay well I like I mean I like that idea I for whatever reason I thought initially this was a show like a schmigadoon kind of thing but I'm a little bit more into into this idea yeah I'm I'm intrigued I I'll 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 pay to see to see him on the stage um but yeah I really like this Elijah Dill date I think it's really sweet it's a little uh like we've we said this with the last episode i don't remember what exactly we were talking about but it's a bit rom-commy like mm-hmm. not a lot of comedic payoff but you know that's fine especially for elijah's character you know it's a good good for his character development to have this experience with dill harcourt yeah like getting to hang out with dill's friends and like sign autographs in Times square and then getting the big kiss like it is um yeah, it is so rom-com and traditional, which is why the sex scene was so funny to me. Yeah, from um, one bad sex scene to another. Yeah, and it's really setting him up to be like, is all of this like worth it? Am I going to keep this going? Yeah. Um, despite that seeming like a really, really, really unpleasant hookup because it's nice then to like stare out over all the buildings from the floor to ceiling high-rise window yeah yeah I really liked that that scene yeah it I don't know I mean the sex was bad I don't know if it was like the kind that yeah I don't think you would like throw away a relationship over it um they just don't seem compatible I think they're very like emotionally compatible, but that was, yeah, that, that was funny. I kind of took the last scene a little bit more optimistically though. Um, he's kind of serving his new landscape more so than like questioning sure. what he's doing in the apartment. Sure, like look at, you know, it, like it's this gorgeous apartment. The world is my oyster, you know, look, I bagged yeah. this hot, rich guy and, you know. And hot he is. Like, I say it every episode, but I do think Corey Stoll is the hottest bald man. I I just, I do think that. I fully, fully agree. He makes the bald work like I think no one else. Yeah. I've said this about shaved heads and buzz cuts, maybe on Crisis Twink, maybe not on Girls Room, but um, I think you have to have the right head shape. Like, a really, like, you just have to have a structured head shape to make it work for you. And Corey Stoll really is able to make it work for him. Like He really is. He, 
he has the right head shape. I also feel like, I don't know, more men should just let their bald bald, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no shame in being bald. It's, I, you know, can be very sexy. I wonder if we'll have a return to that, because I feel like a few decades ago, like, like now Jason Alexander has hair plugs, but on Seinfeld, he was on the biggest show in the world, and he was bald, mm-hmm. and that was fine. And, like, there just used to be a lot more bald out there. But I guess now there's um finasteride, so... Yeah, this is an an endangered species. People were getting on hymns earlier and earlier and earlier. And but like we do have a lot of bald men who are making work for them right now, like Corey Stoll. Like, um, I hate to say it, I think Jeff Bezos is really making it work for him right now. He is, he is. You know, he's if he wasn't so evil, he would be a he could be a hot bald man. I mean, not hot, but you know. I'll I think hi. he looks a bit like a lizard. Like he, he has a lizard face, and like having such a smooth head doesn't um help me veer my thoughts away from that. Yeah, I think his confidence boost that he's gotten since dating American Princess Lauren Sanchez has really. I think he wears it better. He wear he wears his lack of hair better. If that all makes sense. I think that does make sense. What do we think of this episode now that all is said and done? I enjoyed it. I, I think like I, I stand by what I said before. It, it was a kind of an in-betweeny episode, but I did. I did. I did have my fair share of laughs. Yeah. I think this is, you know, we usually write down some quotes from the episode. Um, this is the fewest quotes I had written down in probably like 15 or 20 episodes i like the episode itself but yeah not a lot of like quotable moments just a lot of like good character work and great great acting all around um i like when jessa was like thinking of reasons why she can't be with adam and she was like and you smell like ham and he was like and you fucking love it like without even letting her stop So moving on to our final segments, uh, the first question we ask everyone is, which girl are you in this episode? Um, I was Elijah. I felt, you know, as someone in the thick of gay dating, uh, this episode really hit home for me. Yeah, I feel like I'm, honestly, I'm Hannah's brain rotting because of the internet that is that that was the moment I felt the most like oh no I don't have any ideas (laughs) um yeah I think I'm the I don't know maybe now I'm siding with Fran maybe now I'm feeling like a friend like feeling that feeling of um things not working and being stubborn and not wanting to talk through it wow Mm -hmm. wow you switched sides Mm-hmm. I'm so non-committal. And you're a stickler for grammar. <laughs> the word, there are worse um, things to be. I don't know. Like, I don't know. There's so many grammar things I don't know. And also, like, I'm Canadian and there's spellings that are different. And I've been living here for years and I, like, never know if I'm spelling anything right. Oh, and I, I refuse to learn. Canadian. What? I didn't know you were Canadian. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Love so that. Do you, do you spell flavor like flavor? 
Fun. Well, those ones I know. So those were really easy to switch over. And now when I look at like flavor spelt flavor, I'm like, this is so <laughs> frivolous. Like <laughs> this is you're putting like a little mustache on. You don't have to do that. Like, um, so that like one feels mustache. normal. There's others that I get really tripped up on. All of which is to say, like, I wouldn't be able to work at the independent school as an English teacher. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> So the second question we ask everyone is fit check, which I guess is not a question. It's just a phrase. <laughs> <but> which, <laughs> which outfit um, spoke to you the most this episode? For, for me, it's an item of, an, an item. Uh, okay. Jessa, did you know that she was wearing a cross before this episode? I feel like this is, is this new? Does Jessa wear a cross? This feels... This feels new. Yeah, this felt new to me too. I think because she's in her like woo-woo spiritual, like I'm going to help people phase, she's dressing like Mother Teresa now. Yeah, or yeah, no, honestly, that's an interesting costume choice now that she's like, I can help people. I'm a therapist. No, yeah. she's wearing a cross. Interesting. Also the AA part, AA is pretty religious as I- I was uh, thinking that it's yeah. rubbing off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's- that's a really interesting like subtle choice yeah mine was dill wearing a like fabletics hoodie on his date with <laughs> with elijah it is you know not to paint okay, with yeah. too broad of a brush but like it is a very old gay guy thing <laughs> to dress down for formal occasions like that um or like going out like i've seen a lot of flip-flops and knee-length shorts out at the club recently um from the bear community not saying that Elijah's in bear community but um they're dills in the bear community but yes this that felt like a very like true-to-life costume choice that I appreciated um and then I guess I'll contribute Hannah's like teacher cosplay she really is dressing herself like an American girl doll truly and that is beautiful. And for that, we thank her. Maybe we she, maybe Lena should take on American Girl too. Like she just, I, I think there's the material fit well, there. Catherine called Birdie feels kind of American Girlish. It really the is British version. Yeah. Um, and I loved Catherine called Birdie, so I think she could pull it off. Absolutely. Maybe they thought it was too on the nose. Like she's done this before. Maybe let's let's give her something new, or maybe yeah. she'll get. You know? Let's give her the doll where everyone's just like chewing on the clothes because <laughs> <laughs> they're like little jelly candies. That feels about right. Yeah. Maybe that'll be it. It'll be like Osmosis Jones. It's about a Polly Pocket that gets swallowed. Oh shit! Wait, that would be so funny. <laughs> Like what no one saw coming, except for <laughs> us, except for us right now and everyone listening. Wait, that's actually, that is actually so genius. I hope they reconceptualize <laughs> the entire project around it. I'm going to write them a really passionate letter. Get her on the phone. Because Osmosis Jones, also a great movie and one, I mean, I hope you know, don't remake it or whatever, but I feel like that movie is only beloved by people our age and it deserves to be a timeless generational classic. 
it really is a hyper specific like window um and it doesn't get brought up that much Mm -mm. it hasn't had its renaissance I think that kind of gross out comedy is not in vogue anymore and it is gross like that movie is actually disgusting in a lot of ways but um I think maybe it, that's why it hasn't had the renaissance that other kinds of like styles of you know late 90s early 2000s comedies have like people are rebooting like the sex comedy genre with like no hard feelings but I don't think unless this Polly Pocket movie gets made in the way that we need it to get made now I don't think we're getting like real gross out like there's something about mary style comedy anymore yeah if if the third act isn't polly pocket getting pooped out (laughs) then we're fucked we're fucked (laughs) we're fucked as a society oh i hadn't thought about it like that that's sad (laughs) that's a tougher tougher pair of like gooey jeans to swallow if you will (laughs) um all right last last question we ask everyone who is the mvp and the lvp of this episode um mine was elijah for having a pretty successful date all things considered um and my lvp was marnie because this was you know once again a rough rough go for her yeah i we have the exact same (laughs) so i i needn't say more yeah, I'll say LVP Marnie, MVP shows for staying out of it. <laughs> yes, oh my god. So, uh, how did we not even touch on that? Well, she wasn't here this, I like, I'm kind of glad she wasn't in this episode. She wasn't dragged into the muck with everyone else. She's just having fun in Japan and uh, living her best life, hopefully. I know we see her next episode. Yeah, but this is an episode where, like, the characters are really flopping, um, and I think she wins just by distancing herself. Yeah. I love it. Next episode is, like, a god-tier show episode, too, and also one of... I The next two episodes, for all the listeners, too, like, get jazzed, because we have the women's retreat next week. Oh, my God. And then the episode after that, is panic in central park that's quite the one-two punch marnie just god she's being dragged through the trenches she's one of our bravest but also like worst at being a soldier soldiers (laughs) like she's just not equipped for for any of this um but you know, shout out to Allison Williams for keeping this character sympathetic somehow when I think most people would ga- ga- have given up on her by now. It's interesting to read contemporary reviews, like even like the Vulture recaps from like when this was actually airing, how unsympathetic everyone is to Marnie and how everyone's like, gosh, the Marnie plot lines, like they, she need to just cut these out entirely. Like she's not doing anything on this show anymore. The tragedy, I mean, of girls in general, but you do see these even like smaller bits of it is like the way that it's so ahead of its time that there were so many people, even people who are like supposed to be able to be media literate, like as a job, 
we're like not able to see like these deeply great like this just nuanced hyper specific satire for what it was and everyone was taking it so seriously and I don't think like I wish we had a girls for now and I don't think we have it I think things come close but yeah I I don't know what nails it I don't really think we have the capability yet to actually have a girls in 2023 just because I think we don't deserve it well we don't deserve it and like I just don't think people can really people don't make flawed tv like they used to I mean things are either like extremely prestige in the kind of succession mode which I guess has extremely flawed characters in ways that are actually interesting but like there's a lot more like concrete like anti-hero stuff or like black and white just straight up villainy than there used to be and a lot of those shows are fantasy or like these like outsized thrillers that it's really easy to remove yourself from like the circumstances of what what's going on because they don't really reflect in you know our actual day-to-day lives and to make a show like girls where everyone is so profoundly unlikable at any given points but also so like like all that unlikability is like human behavior and more importantly everyday human behavior it I just think a lot of people couldn't handle it yeah I think like satire now needs to be like so broad it like nothing against White Lotus but like White Lotus is very broad in how it parodies the types of people it's parodying Mm -hmm. or you know things like Knives Out which I really did not like that new one was so like comically over the top broad at the types of contemporary people it was trying to like yeah depict and we don't have this type of specificity I don't know where it is you do make a really interesting point about White Lotus um I like the satire on the show a fair bit and I especially as an actor's showcase it's just it's so fun to just cast a bunch of random people and let them run wild in a foreign location like that I think one of the reasons why season two was so much better than season one for me is because the plotting was so much better. Like it's a, it's a show that actually works pretty well as a mystery show, not just, you know, the lives of the rich and famous. Yeah. Well, also it had those incredible Italian girls and they were just like, like, I'd watch that spinoff. That would be our version of girls today would be them. Yeah. It's so funny that, they got ahead of the like attenzione pickpocket way <laughs> whoa like predates the whole thing but yeah we're living in like the aftershock of mm-hmm. white lotus well rebecca thank you so much for being here this week this was an absolute joy oh thank you so much for having me for such a truly like random episode <laughs> it was sort of like a great way to jump back into it and it does make me want to rewatch because if even like what you called it like a table setting sort of in between episode um still like worked so well um it makes me want to rewatch yeah you have to if you would like to be found on social media where can people find you um i am at ralter um everywhere we're all through everywhere awesome um, 
I'm going to plug my Twitter for once. Uh, please follow me at FKPigs with a Z. Um, oh my God. Yeah, just for content. Uh, <laughs> my other podcast, Crisis Twink, may be coming back in the next few weeks, and you heard it here first. So just uh, hey. uh, get excited for that. Julia, where would if you would you like to be found this week? <laughs> no, you can find me if you want to find me. I'm Julia Gray. Okay, all one word. Okay, two letters. Um, I'm. I don't know why. I recently made the decision to go private on Twitter. Um, I don't know. It feels kind of freeing, but maybe I need to um get public again and give the people what they want. We'll see. Private is so powerful. I find it. it it's like a real power move. Yeah, like I don't need you to see what I'm what I'm tweeting. I also don't really tweet that much anymore. It's, I'm going through a, you know, Elon Musk's Twitter. It's a different place. No, well, it's X. It's X. Yeah, Elon we're not, you're not tweeting anymore because you can't even tweet. It's exactly. and now it's it just says post. You're so right. Yeah, I do. Um, then it I, the worst thing about it is this new logo does make it look like a sorry for being like reductive like a gay hookup app like I keep thinking this is like grinder lets you set the grinder notification to like a different icon to preserve like discretion or whatever and every time the x has popped up I think like oh this is grinder but nope it's my it is what used to be my twitter and now is something different and worse <laughs> it is something different and worse well, what an uplifting note to go out on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, until next week. Um, bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks.